Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. I wanted to share something with you. Uh, as I said before, I get updates from uh, Open Doors USA about things to pray about, uh, things going on in what's called the persecuted church around the world. Uh, and this is what they sent me. This was the focus of all this week for them asking to pray about. Uh, it says at least 10 of India's 28 states have passed anti-conversion laws, making it illegal to convert from one religion to another. Christians there are often falsely accused of being bribes, of offering bribes to lure people to Christianity. Other world watch list countries have blasphemy laws, apostasy laws, anti-conversion laws that work towards intimidating those who want to change their religion. So uh, I wanted us to pray for those nations where people don't have the right to do what we're doing this morning. Uh, and we've shared this before. They're hunted. People show up outside their homes and their churches and throw rocks at them and literally beat them with sticks for gathering to worship God. Uh, so I want to pray for those countries. And, and, and here's the reality, though, before we pray. Uh, Mark Berkshire has a group called Friends of the Persecuted Church because he works with the Persecuted Church. Uh, it's a Facebook group where he encourages people to, to pray for uh, people in the persecuted church around the world, and it's not pretty. Sometimes I don't even want to look at it because it's not the wonderful, faith-filled stories of people coming to Christ. It's the stories of people who are being hunted and beat and some burned alive because they shared Christ. But if you want to pray for them, go and join his group. But uh, let's, uh, I'm going to ask you guys, don't stand. I'm going to ask you guys to just bow your heads. Uh, God, we lift up all those who are persecuted for worshiping your name and putting their faith and their trust in you. We know right now that we have this freedom to gather boldly, and when we leave here, we won't be ridiculed. Well, we might be ridiculed, but we won't be persecuted. We won't lose our jobs. We won't be physically accosted because we celebrated you this morning, but there are places all over the world where this happens regularly. And we also pray for uh, all of the Christians in Afghanistan who are being hunted, who are being killed, who are being persecuted for their faith right now. We pray that you would sustain them, strengthen them, uh, keep them safe from harm, but also as they ask of us, and Mark shares this often, as they ask of us, we pray that we would pray regularly for them to boldly proclaim your name and your truth. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. amen. As you are making your way back to your seats and um, getting situated, this morning we're going to do things a little bit differently than we normally do. Anytime we jump into a new Bible study or a new series or a new book that we're teaching through, I like to start with giving a lot of background so that you guys know why it's relevant to your life, because that's important. We need to know why the Bible is relevant to our lives. But this morning, uh, we're, although we're starting a new book, actually starting just two chapters from a book of the Bible, from the Psalms, um, I wanted to start, rather than give you guys the background and explain why these Psalms are relevant, I wanted to start with some of the verses 
and that will help us understand why it's relevant. So uh, I'm going to put the first couple of verses up here on the screen, and then we're all going to walk through the Bible together uh, through the remaining verses. So if you have a Bible and you want to open up to Psalm 105, go ahead. But I'm going to put the first couple of verses up here on the screen. All right, so Psalm 105 starts this way. And we'll talk about who wrote it and why in a minute. Starts out, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Now, when the psalmist wrote this, he's literally starting out, talking about the nation, right? For us, it's more about, hey, us as Christians, right? That we should give praise to God and proclaim his name and make his name known among the nations. Now, if you've heard any of the sermons that I have ever preached, this will sound familiar because it's something that we say over and over and over. We're supposed to tell people about what God has done in our lives. That's literally what he's starting out saying. And it's basically saying something we say all the time. We have one job. Praise God. Make his name known in our circles of influence. It may not be the nations. It may be just your family, the people you work with. Uh, it may be just, you know, uh, uh, the people that you go to school with if you're still in school. Maybe your coworkers, just your neighbors, the people you bowl with, golf with, hunt with, go restaurant hopping with whatever it is, we're supposed to praise God and make his name known in our circles of influence. Now, a lot of us have forgotten that because there's a lot going on in our nation right now. Now, when the psalmist wrote this, uh, there wasn't as much going on as we have. Uh, there, uh, it's believed that when they wrote this that their nation had been, they were no longer a nation. They were in captivity. But as we're going to see in a little bit, God had blessed them in captivity. But even if we're in a global pandemic, we have one job. Praise God. Make his name known. Even when we're experiencing nationwide economic crisis like we are, we have one job. Praise God. Make his name known. And even when we're dealing with and look and we see places like Afghanistan or other places in the world where there's international humanitarian tragedies going on, we still have one job. The church, body of Christ, this is what we're supposed to do. Praise God and make his name known. Our job doesn't change uh, just because the situation in our situation or the world or the nation changes. We still have one job. Praise God, make his name known. Now, the Psalms that we're going to look at, Psalm 105, 106, likely written by the same people, um, but the first 15 verses, right, first 15 verses of the Psalm, are taken directly from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I'm going to turn there. Uh, stay in Psalm 105 if you open your Bible there. 1 Chronicles 16, this is when King David, I don't know how many of you remember this, uh, we did a series called The Crown where we talked about it. King David had the ark brought to Jerusalem after it had been gone for a while. And so all the people were rejoicing, right? And it says this, uh, he appointed some of the Levites, those are the people in charge of the temple, uh, to minister before the ark of the Lord, to extol, thank, and praise the Lord God of Israel. 
And here's why theologians believe he did this. Anytime you're the leader of a nation, we know this, and you make people do something, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, there are going to be people who cry out, never should do that. There are going to be people who be like, yay, we're finally doing that. There are going to be people who criticize you. There are going to be people who be like, you should have done this sooner, right? And the same was true with David. So he said, amongst all the voices, the people that are saying, yes, Finally bringing the ark, the people complaining, you shouldn't bring the ark, God never told you to. The people that are criticizing and judging, he said, I want to hear people praising God. So he appointed people and said, hey, this is what you're to do. You're supposed to extol, thank, and praise the Lord God of Israel. And further down it says this, that day David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. And these are the verses literally almost the exact same of what we just read. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of his wonderful acts. And the next, uh, I think it's like all the way down to verse 22 from there, mirrors uh, what we read in Psalm 105. Now, although we don't know who wrote Psalm 105, Psalm 106, Uh, not all of the Psalms have a person attributed to them as an author. A lot of them do, but many of them don't. I hope you guys can see this. I don't know if you guys can see this. King David literally wrote, as far as we know, 73 of the Psalms. There may be some more, like some of the ones who don't have an author ascribed to them. They have that kind of feel like King David. Uh, Asaph uh, and his sons, they wrote 12 Korah and the sons of Korah, uh, they wrote 11. The orphan ones are ones where we're not sure who wrote them. And then there are ones written by Solomon, Moses, Ethan, and and Heman. So uh, all of these um, psalms, right, written by people, uh, and, and most of us, when it comes to reading the psalms, it's not the good, exciting parts of the Bible that we like to read. Right? But the whole purpose of Psalm 105 and Psalm 106, the ones we're going to read today, uh, is yes, praise God, but also don't forget the good things that God has done. Now, raise your hand if you need a reminder of, yeah, God has done some good stuff for me. Mine is the only hand raised. Okay, thank you. I didn't want to be the only one. Like, I'm the only one who God has done something good for. But some of us also need a reminder. That's Psalm 105. Psalm 106 comes back and it says, hey, Don't forget the bad things that we have done. And even though Psalm 105 and Psalm 106 don't have an author ascribed to them, uh, most theologians believe it was the same author and that he started out in Psalm 105 saying, yeah, look at all the good things God has done for us. And Psalm 106, he's like, hey, but we need to remember we screwed up. We make mistakes. We didn't trust God. We didn't believe God. We didn't do the things God told us to do. But we still need to remember how good God has been to us. Right? So that's what the the, the theme of these psalms out. Now, many of the psalms, right, they're writings uh, about just when God has done good things uh, and the nation of Israel was doing great, then people would rejoice and they'd sing and they'd celebrate. And that's what a lot of the psalms are. Uh, Some of them are songs, some of them are like what you call hymns, some of them are just poems. But some of them are when, hey, things really suck right now, God, and they're crying out at times of great tribulation to God, either in song or in hymns or in poems, right? So um, many of the Psalms are about when times are good. They say, hey, don't forget, 
good things God has done to us, right? Because, and, and you can think about this. When the pandemic started, and you can say the same thing about 9-11, same thing about any national tragedy. Whenever it hits, people flood to the churches, right? Literally, when the pandemic started, some of you may remember this. I think it was like the third, fourth week of March. It literally almost broke the internet. Churches that were used to streaming like us and all these other churches came online and, and Facebook and Google and YouTube, all these places, they couldn't handle it because I, I want to say triple, but it was more than triple. It was more like 15 to 25 times the amount of normal people that were streaming on a Sunday morning increased streaming messages in churches because churches tried to get online because they were closed. And people were flooding to watch. You know, people were normally, you know, what? We have, what, two people watching right now, sometimes five, sometimes ten. The average during the pandemic, 20 to 30 people watching. And that's even after, you know, we started meeting again in person, and by the end of the week, that number jumped to hundreds for most churches. Because when times are bad... People like flood to the churches. But then, as we know, right, numbers started dropping. And people thought, oh, the pandemic is passing. And all those people who flooded to the churches walk right back out the doors or walk right away from their tablets. They stop watching. They stop paying attention. Some of the churches that were even live streaming them thought, well, there's no more need for me to live stream, which I disagree with because we're supposed to share the gospel with people. But... Because when times are good, people forget what God has done. And a lot of the Psalms also are about when times are bad, just reminding us, hey, don't forget. Remember when we were in that pandemic and people were hurting and how God sustained us? Remember when we were going through these, these, these harsh economic times and God sustained us? And that's literally all the Psalms are. I'm not a poem guy. I'm not a, like, like, get into that type of stuff, but that's literally what most of the Psalms are. They're just reminding us that when times are good or bad, just remember what God has done. So uh, we, as the church, have one job. Whether times are good or times are bad, praise God. Make his name known in our circles of influence. So if you have your Bible, uh, open it up to Psalm 105. And we're going to jump through both of these psalms in a relatively quick amount of time, but still enough time so that we can understand uh, what God is saying. So in chapter, or excuse me, Psalm 105, drop down to verse 8. We're going to start from there. It says, he, meaning God, remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. And when it says a thousand generations, that doesn't mean when you get to the thousand and first generation, God's like, who are you? I forgot I had this. It's been so long. It's just a, a euphemism to say that on and on and on throughout history that God remembered his covenant. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Now that covenant still true because God gave them that land. And even though a lot of that land has been taken away between all the fighting going on in the Middle East, God still has that covenant to restore that land to them. For us as Christians, we have a new covenant, right? Stay in Psalm 105. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, 
Uh, and we did a series a while ago where we walked through 1 Corinthians. We haven't gone through 2 Corinthians yet. But writing to the church in Corinth, he says, not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us, but our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. Now, that may sound like a lot, but he's about to explain what we are equipped, called, and able to do. What is it that God has made us sufficient to do? In the very next verse, he says this. It is he, God, who has qualified us. We're not qualifying ourselves. It is he, God, who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ. Our job and responsibility when it comes to Israel, the other thing is, hey, God has given us this land. That's what the covenant is. It's our land. We're the heirs and ministers of this land, right? Our job, if you're a Christian, is that we are ministers. That word minister literally means someone who serves or who helps. And I hate to use another comic book reference, but, you know, the way that Batman is able to be Batman is because of Alfred. It's also because of the billions of dollars he has, but also because of Alfred. Because Alfred serves him as a butler to Bruce Wayne. He's also his, uh, a medical guy. He's also his tech guy. He's an all-around helper to serve and help Bruce Wayne be Batman. He ministers to him. That's what we are to be to the gospel. Whatever we have to do to serve in letting people know about the salvation that comes through Christ, that's what we're supposed to do. We're also supposed to be dispensers of it because we have one job, and that is to praise God and to make his name known. Drop down to verse 12. When they were but few in number, few indeed and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings, and he did not touch, or excuse me, do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. And this refers to God sustaining his people. The same God who sustained them, right, as they were growing up as a nation, who sustained them in the desert, who sustained them while they were undergoing, and we talked about this when we went through Exodus, the greed and the hatred and the slavery that they endured is the same God who sustained us. And the rest of the chapter is really talking about remembering what God had done. So in verse 23, it says this, Israel entered Egypt, Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham, and the Lord made his people very fruitful, and he did. And then it talks about how they were enslaved. And then drop down to verse 26. He sent Moses his servant. They performed his miraculous signs among them. Verse 28, he sent darkness. Verse 29, he turned the waters into blood. Verse 30, the land teemed with frogs. Verse 31, he spoke, and there came swarms of flies. From here to the end of the chapter is a reminder of everything that God did to bring them out of slavery. And then two, everything that God did to bring them into the promised land. And every now and then, whether times are good or bad, we need to just sit down and say, you know what? I can't help but think of all the good things that God has done for me. And I've shared this story, I don't know how many times, probably you guys are tired of hearing it. And that is that when, 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 when I was making six figures and things were going good, the same God that sustained me then sustained me when I went from making six figures to making $300 every other week on unemployment, which is way less than people are getting now, but I'm not mad. Uh, but 
The same God that sustained me when I was only making $300 every week. Bills were still paid. Credit wasn't damaged. Didn't miss a meal. Because that same God sustained me. And the reason why I keep sharing this story is because every now and then, I need me, Floyd, a reminder of, you know what? God can handle this. No matter how low finances get, no matter how bad things get financially, for me, because he did that then, I can trust that he can take care of everything that I come up against. Not because of me, but because of how good that he is. And then it drop down to verse 42, it says this, For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing celebrating. And we talked about this when we went through Exodus, that then when they came out, they got to the other side of the sea. Once the the waters closed everyone, they started celebrating. His chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they fell heir to what others had toiled for, that they might keep his precepts and observe his laws. Now, they had a covenant, and it was conditional. Hey, I'm going to bring you into the promised land, but you need to do this. You need to obey me. You need to uh, um, honor the Sabbath. You need to uh, love one another. All of these lists, what we look at, and we talked about the law when we were going through Exodus. We have a covenant that we just talked about, but from us, God only expects one thing. We have one job, that we praise him, and that we make his name known in our circles of influence. Psalm 106 starts this way, praise the Lord, give thanks, excuse me, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? And it's not saying that you can't declare it, because he just talked about a bunch of good things God did, saying that you can't fully do it, because even if you start listing out everything, you're probably going to miss something, and then there is always the things that God, ways that God blessed us that we weren't even aware of that it came from God. Drop down to verse 6. He says, we have sinned even as our fathers did. And this is where he starts to get in. We need to remember God was good to us even when we messed up, when we made mistakes, when we did things that God said, thou shalt not, when we didn't love our neighbor, when we hurt people, when we said, blankety blank blank to you, God, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And yet he still loved us. He says, we have done wrong and acted wickedly. wickedly. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. And we talked about this, that literally, this was within weeks. They got to one side of the Red Sea. God closed the waters over their enemies. They looked back. They could see the chariots floating in the sea. And Miriam grabbed the tambourine, and they had a praise and worship celebration. And then weeks later, they were like, we're in the desert. God can't provide for us. We never should have left Egypt. Why did we trust him? Right? And some of us, we do the same thing. But it says this, verse 8, yet he saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the deaths, through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them 
The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise, just like we said. Miriam led a worship celebration. Then verse 13 says, but they soon forgot what he had done. Doesn't take long. Even after we've been blessed by God, for us to forget that it was God who blessed us. Verse 16, in the camp they grew envious of Moses and Aaron, who were consecrated to the Lord. Verse 19, at Horeb they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glory for an image of a bull which eats grass. And we don't get the magnitude of that, but imagine that you physically see God not only bring, you know, the plague of darkness and all these plagues on a nation to free you from slavery, but one of the plagues include God killing bulls and all of the animals except yours. He parts the sea, crushes your enemy, and then you relegate him to a, 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 a metal bull. And you say, that's God. And you worship him. Jump down to verse 24. They despised the pleasant land. They didn't believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and didn't obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hand that he would make them fall in the desert. Make their descendants fall among the nations and scatter them throughout the land. And we talked about this. When they were got to the promised land and, 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 and they sent out the spies... Uh, uh, Joshua sent out the spies to go check out the land to see what's the strategy. And they even brought back like grapes the size of melons and said, oh, the land is good. But there are villagers over there who have chariots. And the entire nation said, God can't defeat that enemy. Even though behind them was the most powerful nation in the world that God had just defeated to bring them out. And so God says, hey, I'm going to let you guys sit and stew. Uh, not all of you are going to make it into the promised land. Verse 28, they yoked themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They provoked the Lord to anger by their wicked deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Drop down to verse 34. They didn't, once they got in the land, they did not destroy the people the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. And here were their customs. Verse 36 they worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. Not just to statues. They would literally uh, uh, take their children, their babies, and put them into fires as an act of worship to demonic beings. And I know if I were God, that would tick me off. And so God said, hey, these nations whose God you worship, you want to be like them? I'm going to allow them to come in so you can see what they're truly like. And those nations came in and they crushed the nation of Israel. They brutalized them. They decapitated them. They, they just did horrible, unspeakable things to them and put them into captivity. And God could have and should have abandoned them rejected them, and left them there. But he didn't. Instead, verse 44, Psalm 106 says this, Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show mercy. 
in a situation where they should have been enslaved, beaten, uh, 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 dwindled uh, uh, away, God caused the nation that was holding them captive to bless them, and they grew, and they multiplied, and they prospered. And they eventually made their way back to the promised land. And the writer of this psalm says this, and he, he, he kind of says this to the entire nation. This is what we should be saying. Save us, Lord our God, and gather us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And this is what we should be saying. Not so much, hey, uh, save us, Lord, gather us from the nations, but save us, Lord, gather us from the divisions that we're dispersed out amongst. Gather us from the, the masked versus the unmasked. Gather us from the, the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. Gather us from the, the Biden versus Trump or, or this political party versus this. Gather all of us together so that we as the people of God can give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. And I'm going to ask you guys to read this next verse with me together. And it says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to ask you when you read it, to read it thinking of how good God has been to you. Thinking of a way that God has blessed you. Thinking of a time when you know, for you, if there was one, where you just totally rebelled against God and he showed up anyway. And I'm going to ask you to stand. And with that thought in mind, I want us to read this together as if we are proclaiming it as we're praising God and making his name known. Ready? Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say amen. Praise the Lord. Here's the reality. We have one job, to praise God and make his name known in our circles of influence. That's going to look different for every single person in this room, for the two, now three people that are watching online, for whoever hears this later during the week. Because we have different upbringing. We have different circles of influence. But here's the challenge as we close that I'm going to give to every single one of us. Because the way that we communicate today is through our texts, through our posts, through our comments, the things we say, and when we comment online. And so for the next three days, uh, it's actually going to work out to almost 77 hours, a little more than 72, uh, from now uh, from Sunday to Monday, Monday to Tuesday, Tuesday to Wednesday, and then we're going we're gonna to check in when we do our Wednesday night prayer. From now, for the next three days, here's what I'm asking us to do. With every text, with everything we post, with every comment, do it with this in mind, is what I am saying, texting, posting, or commenting, giving praise to God, and making his name known within the circle of influence. If you're texting someone about, and they're just, you know, asking you about lunch, hey, let's go get coffee or whatever, uh, not saying that you have to throw in a Bible verse in there, but just are you texting in a way that reflects the love of Christ? When you're commenting or, 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 or 
what a lot of us do, uh, many of the posts that we see online about everything going on in the world, is the comment that we're making, giving praise to God and making his name known within that circle of influence. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. God, we know that we, there's so much going on in the world right now. A lot of hatred, a lot of anger, a lot of uh, frustration, a lot of just uh, unknown stuff. And we know it can bring out the worst in people. But we pray that as we remember our one job to praise you and make your name known, that it would bring out the best in us. And then the best in us would be all about you. Whether we respond with sharing, here's what you, something that you have done in our life. Whether it be we respond in just a way that reflects the love of Christ and the love that you show us. Whether we respond in a way, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 4.29, that we let nothing come out of our mouth except what is good for encouraging others and lift them up. However we respond, however we talk to people, whoever we talk to for the next three days, let us do it in a way that gives you praise and makes you know. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Amen.